This is Generation Justice, a multimedia project that trains youth to harness the power of media. I'm Jonathan Alonzo. And I'm Jacqueline Torres. Summer is almost over, and soon public schools all over the state will be back in session. But for too many New Mexican students, public education is failing. Tonight, we speak to Dr. Diane Torres-Velasquez, president of the Latino Education Task Force. She's also an associate professor at UNM. She is here to reflect on the Martinez versus State of New Mexico legal case for education. Later, we'll update all of you on the events happening all around town during our awesome community calendar. And we have a brand new resistance headlines to look at the acts of resistance from the past weeks. First, let's get things started with some music. Here is Walking on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. Dr. Diane Torres-Velasquez is the president of the Latino Education Task Force and is an associate professor with the University of New Mexico College of Education. Along with the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund, Dr. Torres-Velasquez has been strongly involved in the historic lawsuit, Martinez versus the state of New Mexico, where children and families sued the state for failing to provide quality education for all students. Now, we'll join Dr. Torres Velasquez with Generation Justice third year fellow Kateri Zuni to hear more about this case. My name is Kateri Zuni, and I am speaking with Dr. Diane Torres Velasquez, Associate Professor of Teacher Education, Education Leadership, and Policy at the University of New Mexico. Dr. Velasquez is also president of the Latino Education Task Force which has been involved in the landmark Martinez versus the state of New Mexico case for public education. Dr. Torres Velasquez, welcome to Generation Justice. Will you please introduce yourself? I am Dr. Diane Torres Velasquez. I am a professor, associate professor at the University of New Mexico in the College of Education in the Department of Teacher Education, Education Leadership and Policy. I am also the president of the Latino Education Task Force. In 2010, I served as New Mexico's Hispanic Education Liaison. And can you tell us a little bit more about your role with the Latino Education Task Force and some of the work that you do? Yes, of course. Um, the Latino Education Task Force is a very important uh, community organization. This organization is the group that got the Hispanic Education Act into place, created it, and made sure that it was passed. And we focus on education, but really education ties into health and law and economics and many other things. And so we often find ourselves um, advocating with allies on those issues as well. We welcome all members of the community. We especially welcome members of all ethnic groups, racial groups, uh, religions, and um, diverse um, backgrounds. Our goal is to support the improvement of education in New Mexico. 
So we have an action agenda. We come together for the purpose of taking action to improve the condition for children in New Mexico. And in my role with the Latino Education Task Force, I started as a member and was very interested in that group because it's an action group. We do things. We don't just talk about them, which is very important. We actually listen very carefully and then figure out action steps. The Hispanic Education Act was one action step that um, I benefited from because after it was passed, I happened to be working with the acting secretary at the end of Richardson administration, and I got to be the Hispanic education liaison. And that informed me greatly about education across New Mexico. And so when I came back after a semester on leave working at the PED, I had written a report that showed the discrepancies across the state in education achievement between ethnic groups. And it was startling to see. I chose not to only focus on Hispanic students, but to look at all ethnic groups across the state. And so I had a really clear picture that informed our decision then to go forward on a lawsuit against the state. Can you give us an idea of some of the issues that our students were facing or the symptoms that the task force had witnessed leading up to the lawsuit? There were quite a few, and I was very glad that when we contacted the attorneys, they were also willing to listen. I was the one that contacted David Hinojosa originally with MALDEF, and and then later Marissa became our Southwest Regional Director but I contacted them on behalf of a number of community members that we were meeting with regularly. And some of the concerns had to do with participation and also with achievement of the children in our community. Others had to do with the reform initiatives that were popping up and the effect they were having on teachers. We were losing teachers, and we were having some measures that we believed were punitive imposed on our educational system rather than uh, support and resources. Those are very, very general terms that uh, we were hearing from community. We were hearing particularly about high-need students, children in poverty, children who were English language learners, and children who were in special education, students with disabilities. And we were concerned about the resources that the state was providing, but beyond that, we were concerned also about the types of support that the state was providing. Having worked in the PED, I had an idea of the types of support that was supposed to be provided by the PED, and we were very concerned that that was not being given to our students across the state. We were also being informed by some research that I came on to in 2000 having to do with the Constitution for education in New Mexico. We are a very unique state, and our Constitution is like no other, and our laws are like no other. We are the only state with the Hispanic Education Act and with the Indian Education Act now as we have it. Other states have modeled after us and developed theirs, but at the time this lawsuit was organized, we were the only In our Constitution, we have some specific protections on education for our students, and so we knew that we could organize a lawsuit and have that frame 
of um, what we're calling a sufficient education as the promise for our students. So we intended to pick up where our forefathers left off in the Constitution because looking back at the history of education in New Mexico, we were not seeing that those promises had been fulfilled. And so our concern was for the current students, but especially for future generations. Who is MALDEF representing in this case? We have 51 plaintiffs from across the state who live in seven districts in New Mexico. And these are children and their parents or guardians. And so um, the districts are Zuni, Magdalena, Las Cruces, Gadsden, Española, Santa Fe, and Albuquerque. That's where they live. The districts themselves are not the plaintiffs. So this is primarily families. It is all family members that were concerned about, or children, concerned about their education. Can you give us an idea about the case? Sure. We worked with the community to organize this lawsuit against the state of New Mexico. It is a school finance case that has 51 plaintiffs from across seven districts. This lawsuit, Martinez versus State of New Mexico, is officially a school finance case, but it's about much more than money. It's about how we are fulfilling the promise of the Constitution. It's about the resources that we are providing for the children of New Mexico. And when we approached Maldiv, we were considering all the children of New Mexico in order for this to get to court, even though the plaintiffs are high-need students, meaning students in poverty, ELL students, and students with special needs. This case will affect the lives and education of every student in New Mexico. It will affect the life of every student, every teacher, every educator, every administrator, and the way that we shape education in New Mexico. The Martinez lawsuit is all about the power of community because, like I said, we have it on black and white in the law, but until community decides to stand up for our rights, we won't see it happen. And so that is a very important aspect of this case, that the plaintiffs be community and that the lawsuit be community. Dr. Torres Velasquez, thank you so much for sharing this case with us. Your work with the Latino Education Task Force is so influential and vital for our communities. We'll be joining Katerie and Dr. Torres Velasquez in a moment. But first, here's Education by Pearl Jam. Welcome back to Generation Justice. Tonight, we're talking with Professor Diane Torres Velasquez, president of the Latino Education Task Force, about the historic Martinez versus the state of New Mexico lawsuit. Let's rejoin them now. You mentioned some of the academic resources that have really informed this case. Mm -hmm. Would you give us an idea of what those are? Yes. In particular, in 2000, I met the author of an article that appeared in the New Mexico Law Review in 1973, and that person is Ray Montes. He was an attorney, and as a law student, he wrote 
a comment called Education and the Spanish-Speaking, an Attorney General's Opinion on Article 12, Section 8 of the New Mexico Constitution. And so basically, this article was rich in the promises that our forefathers wrote into our Constitution and demanded. Um, He made it very clear by sharing the history of our state that we were going to go in with Arizona. I think everybody knows now, but at the time in 2000, people didn't. And I've shared this with all my students, and hopefully they're spreading the word too. But our forefathers spoke Spanish, and Arizona policymakers did not like that. They wanted to do away with Spanish-speaking people. And so we stood ground and we said, no, we want these items in terms of bilingual education and, and Spanish-speaking protections. That was at the time. Now we also include, of course, Native American protections in here and other Native language protections as well as how we interpret it. It's not just Spanish-speaking. But at the time when they drafted this constitution, Arizona decided they wanted nothing to do with us, and they broke off into a separate state. And New Mexico continued, and we were allowed to keep these pieces in our constitution. So we see it as our job to pick up where our forefathers left off with all good intentions for the children and future generations of New Mexico to pick up the promise of the Constitution for um, Spanish-speaking, for Native American, for all children of New Mexico, especially high-need students, to make sure that their educational needs are met for this and future generations. On top of this resource, you actually have another piece of your own work that has helped to inform the narrative of this case. Yes, that's correct. I've been presenting on this lawsuit ever since we got it started. And the piece that you're referring to is with the Association of Mexican-American Educators Journal. It's called Martinez versus State of New Mexico, The Right to a Sufficient Education. And it was just published in July. Wonderful. And where can listeners go to find these resources for themselves? Oh, there is a journal website, and that is the abbreviation of the association, amaejournal.utsa.edu, for the journal on the Martinez case. And then for the journal article from the New Mexico Law Review, um, you can actually Google that document. And if you go to Education in the Spanish Speaking and Google that and look for Ray Montes, you'll be able to connect to that article as well. From your perspective as an educator and an educator of educators, why is it important to have this case heard? It's important because we became a state in 1912, and our Constitution was written before 1912. And the promises of our Constitution have never been fulfilled. And if we don't do this now, future generations will suffer. We are seeing it already. We are seeing it, I believe, in the poverty levels of our state. We are seeing it in many ways. We are seeing it by students exiting once they graduate, exiting New Mexico and and not returning. It's our responsibility to take care of future generations and provide a sufficient education for our children today. You've been in the courtroom throughout the duration of the trial. Can you tell me about some of the more compelling moments that you've observed? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. It was so exciting. Um, First, I would say just watching the attorneys was absolutely amazing. 
sometimes we would sit there for hours because the attorneys have a direction they're going, but so do the witnesses. And so sometimes they would go back and forth at each other with a particular question. But what was so amazing was to watch the attorneys being able to draw the truth out of witnesses maybe that were brought in for the defense that didn't want to quite share the truth and, and had a story that they wanted to share instead. Uh, that was just amazing to watch them in action, just uh, like a dream come true. Also, the other piece I would say was listening to the superintendents. We had superintendents from all across the state, and many times the whole courtroom was in tears just from the stories they were sharing. It was incredible to hear uh, Dr. Sue Cleveland of Rio Rancho would you believe that last year 28 classrooms were operated without a teacher? They are not the only district. When I shared that with leadership at the state level, they told me that about half the state's districts are in similar situations. Our education system is in crisis. Uh, for those 28 classrooms, Dr. Cleveland stated that their students did not make the type of progress that students would make if they had teachers. And that's understandable. So we've got, if we've got that across half the state, imagine what that's doing to the lives and education of our children. We had other superintendents from Lake Arthur who, boy, we were all in tears when he talked about the poverty level of his district and the extent that he and the principals go to to make sure that children have clothes and food to eat over weekends or across the summer but lots of testimony that was just so incredibly compelling. Listening to Dr. Veronica Garcia, who had been our Secretary of Education under the Richardson administration, listening to her testimony and her knowledge. All of these superintendents had incredible knowledge about their districts. They know every detail about their students, about their teachers, about the funds that they receive, about the programs they have. They know them inside out. They know their districts so well, and they work diligently to make sure that those resources are distributed effectively. That was just incredible to hear. So the superintendents, for sure, also listening to the PED, the defense the defense witnesses tended to have the same answers, and it was pretty interesting to listen to the explanations that were given for the condition of education in New Mexico. The other that I would add is our judge. She was amazing. She has an incredible sense of humor, was making us laugh often, and as funny as she was, had a very tight control of her courtroom. But there were times where there were witnesses up there that were saying we didn't have problems with resources or we didn't have ways to meet the needs of children in poverty where she really questioned them. She stopped their testimony and demanded to know, are you saying that we have nothing we can do to help children in poverty? And her impact was just amazing. Is there anything else that you would like to add about the case or about the Latino Education Task Force? A couple of things. One is that this takes time, and we are in this for the long haul. It took us 100 and where are we, 105 years to get to this point where we are actually witnessing the end of this trial. The trial is now complete. The attorneys will be working on summaries that they give to the judge, and the judge will have her decision, which she will be working on over Christmas break. 
The judge has committed to follow this case for the rest of her life, and so have we. The judge will have a decision in January, and when that decision is made, it will probably go for appeals, and we will be there with New Mexicans across the time frame of the appeals and after. So that's one piece related to the trial. In terms of the things we were asking for in this lawsuit, we will continue to work for them as we have all along. We work very closely with legislators in creating and passing laws such as the Hispanic Education Act. We work closely with Senator Lopez with the anti-racism bill and the ethnic studies bill. And we will continue to work with legislators who are supporting our work as well. And we will continue to work with community members. We will continue to uh, work with families. And we will continue to work towards implementation of what research says works for our high-need students. We're not done by any means. Dr. Torres Velasquez, thank you so much for joining us here at Generation Justice and for bringing all of this wonderful information, not only about the case, but about the history of our Constitution and how it relates to the education of our children. I appreciate that. Thank you, Katerie. It's always such an honor to work with you and Generation Justice. Thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Katerie Zuni. Thank you, Dr. Torres Velasquez, for sharing that with us. Your work with the Latino Education Task Force is appreciated by not only myself, but by students across our state. Your efforts to improve education for youth of color are vital to students' ability to thrive in post-secondary education. Dr. Torres Velasquez, thank you so much for sharing this powerful insight with us. This work is not only vital for us students, but also for our future generations, so that they can have access to the education that they not only need, but that they deserve. Now we'll hear You Can't Blame the Youth by Peter Tosh. Now here's The Other by Lauv. And remember, if you'd like to check out any of the music played on Generation Justice, you can visit KUNM.org and click Music. Like a spotlight, the water hits me Ran it extra cold to shake the words from my mouth Though I know that no one's listening Now here's Hallucination by A Tribe Called Red. We are the tribe that they cannot see. We live on an industrial reservation. We are the Halusa Nation. We have been called the Indians. We have been called Native Americans. We have been called hostile. We have been called pagan. We have been called militant. We have been called many names. 
we've come to the end of another great production. We'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Diane Torres Velasquez, for sharing your time and insight with us. Production assistance for tonight's show came from Alicia Hernandez, Christina Rodriguez, Jonathan Alonzo, Kateri Zuni, and Roberta Rayel. And thank you to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for helping to bring you, KUNM listeners, the voices of young people in New Mexico. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and so much more. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and rate us. We're also active on social media, so make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, with additional funding from the McCune Foundation, Con Olma Health Foundation, the Albuquerque Community Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm Jonathan Alonzo. And I'm Jacqueline Torres. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, Nuevo Mexico, and have a wonderful week. So come down and calm down before it's time to die. While you move into the drum of the right, right, left. Yo, Chris, what you doing out of school? Yo, man, they just suspended me, McBoo. Word, they suspended the teacher? Yeah, man, I'm getting so sick of this, man. They teaching us about nothing, man. You know what the bottom line is for black people out here? It's quite simple. You must learn. Into my deepest desires